Hi, I'm Phelan Johnson. And I'm Leah Simone Bowen, and we look at history a bit differently. Have you ever wondered how hundreds of wild horses came to inhabit an island in the Atlantic Ocean? Or what Lord of the Rings and a small town in Manitoba have in common? Or the burning question, did Canada invent the teen drama? The Secret Life of Canada is a podcast about the country you know and the stories you don't. New episodes available now wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. It has been seven months now since a civil war broke out in Sudan. Fighting between the country's military and paramilitary forces has ravaged communities, creating a humanitarian crisis. At least five million people in Sudan have been forced to leave their homes. A million of them have made their way to neighboring countries. And for those who have stayed, life as they once knew it has changed dramatically. El Sadeg El Nur is a humanitarian worker in Sudan. El Sadeg, hello. Hello. The last time we spoke with you, you were in Khartoum in May. Where are you right now? Now I'm in, in Gadari. This is one of our sub-offices located in East Sudan. Tell me what life is like for you. How has life changed since the last time we spoke? I can just tell you the life when I spent uh, around 24 harrowing days in Khartoum during the conflict, barricaded under the beds with my family facing shortages of essential resources, electricity and constant threat of violence. The situation was unbearable at that time as we depend on only basic items of food such as rice and lentils which are also rarely to find. Then after this period I decided to evacuate my, my, my family including my two-month-old granddaughter through seven perilous checkpoints was filled with harassment and fear leaving deep emotional scars. I don't know what has become of my house in Khartoum right now. And, and, and Gadarif area now is, is the, one of the areas like have some outbreaks of some disease like dengue fever and cholera. You mentioned in, in Khartoum living there with a shortage of essentials and supplies. What is life like for people in that city? Just describe what, what you were facing there. During the fighting, of course, there are shortages because most of the shops either looted or or destroyed. So the supplies and all the essential materials uh, are, are not there and people are lacking that and even there is no security to go out of your house to search for these items. Shooting everywhere, very strike, people cannot go out. And the shop uh, either closed or destroyed or looted at that time. It was it, it, it's, just, it's just too dangerous to go outside. Yes, it is too dangerous. We, we, we are sheltering inside the houses. No one can go out. You mentioned as well um, the spread of diseases, and there is a concern that because so many of the health facilities are closed, that there could be cholera, there could be dengue fever. Tell me more about that and, and what you understand about, about the spread of communicable diseases. We have this, uh, we call it dengue fever, and it is in mainly the area where we are now, Qatarif, the most hit area. It is in all other parts of Sudan, this dengue fever on North Kordofan and and in Khartoum itself. But in Gadarif alone, now the, the government announces around 2,525 suspected cases of, they call it acute watery diarrhea. It is cholera, and out of that, around 78 uh, related deaths. Many people here, given the situation of lacking of medicine, personnel, and in Khartoum, for example, the situation is very critical as most of the hospital, 90% of the hospital are out of service. 
This is compounded also by the lack of medicine, medical supplies, and the personnel themselves, and insecurity. If you are sick, you cannot go out also and look for a hospital, any hospital elsewhere. Otherwise, we'll be shot dead. What is it like for you to see your country in this state? Honestly, the situation is unpredictable. I can, nobody can say that the war will end by tomorrow or after tomorrow. Every day we receive very, very, very tragic news and very bad news and escalation of war from Khartoum to other areas. Every day we hear a new area has been captured and there is fighting here and there and more displaced people uh, coming to other places in other Sudan. Even all the towns and cities of Sudan are full of these people and some of them even now in, in, in a condition that they started to go back to Khartoum despite the active fighting there. So the situation is very difficult because when people left Khartoum, they, they thought that it will be two weeks, one week, and they come back. And even they left all their belongings behind and their houses and everything. They didn't take anything on assumption that they will come back in two weeks or three weeks. But now it has been seven months it's been seven months since the fighting erupted in Sudan in 15 of April, and the fighting is still ongoing. It has resulted in devastating consequences for civilians. Do you feel like the rest of the world has forgotten or, or, or turned its back on, on Sudan? I feel that. I feel that because now the donors are stretching and there are many crises across the world. Uh, if you take that, uh, the flood in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco, and earthquake you know, in Nepal, and now the war in Gaza, and now even in the media, I don't see uh, any mentioning to Sudan. Will you stay or will you, will you leave the country? I'm staying. I'm staying as a humanitarian worker with my organization, supporting other people. Till the situation improves or escalated to my area, and then I, I, I don't know. The, the fighting may, may expand it to this area where we are now doing the work. It feels to some people like this is history repeating itself, that it's going back to the horrors of Darfur from 20 years ago. What is going now in Darfur is, is, is more horrible than what happened 20 years back. Wow. Now people are killed and buried alive. This is completely uh, like an ethnical killing. What do you want the world to know about this? My request, not even to the international world, my request to my people, internal Sudanese people, let's sit together and settle all this suffering of our people. Mm. If the war continues like that, the suffering will increase and many people will be killed. And, and, and there have been full civilian casualties every day as there are some like random artillery shelling every day in Khartoum itself and other parts of Sudan, including Kurdufan and Therefore. Elsa Dig, thank you for speaking with us. Take care of yourself and be safe. Okay, thank you very much. Elsa Dig Elnur is the country director for Islamic Relief in Sudan. Mamadou Balde is regional director for East Africa with UNHCR. He leads the Sudan Refugee Coordination. He's in Nairobi. Mamadou, hello to you. Hello, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We just heard Elsa Dig describe what's happening in Sudan right now as more horrible than the genocide of 20 years ago in Darfur. You were in Sudan two months ago. What did you see? Um, I confirm what Elsa Dig has just mentioned. 
What you see is life lost, it's families separated, properties destroyed, livelihoods destroyed, decimated. And um, it is a situation where you have uh, uh, 5 million people who have been displaced within Sudan and 1.2 million people who have crossed international borders and have gone into Chad, into Egypt into um, Ethiopia, into South Sudan, into Central African Republic. This is what we see today. And indeed, it is, uh, to some extent, a repeat of what we saw 20 years ago without finding solutions. For those who have been internally displaced, where are they going? Where, where have they? And we heard from El Sadiq, he's had to leave his home in Khartoum. Where are people ending up? People are ending up in the safer part of Sudan as we speak. I went through uh, eastern Sudan um, a few weeks ago, uh, Port Sudan, um, Kasala Gedaref, where El Sadek is now, and then Wat Madani, which is just three hours from Khartoum, and then into White Nile in Kosti. What you see is really the generosity of Sudanese, that is uh, um, um, people uh, hosting their own brothers and sisters, neighbors or former neighbors, and uh, showing solidarity. But, you know, seven months down the line, uh, people no longer have the resources that they used to have um, in terms of lodging, in terms of food, in terms of access to basic services. And on top of all this, you have uh, a skyrocketing of prices as close as you are to, 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 to Khartoum. So you have internally displaced persons who need protection and support. You have host populations who need uh, protection and support. And to also tell you that prior to 15th of April in Sudan, the country was hosting over 1 million refugees. And these one million refugees were relying and had been able to live and develop livelihood copy mechanism themselves have been affected. And as we speak today, we have close to 300,000 who have found themselves in other part of, of, of Sudan and others have crossed in international borders and finding themselves in places like um, South Sudan. In a report by the UNHCR, um, the organization said that it is shameful that the atrocities committed 20 years ago are happening again. How is this happening? How is something like this possible? I can, it is difficult to describe it. I have been working in Sudan. I was in work in Sudan over 20 years ago. And uh, what we have seen is just unbearable. What we see today is, uh, you know, over 4,000 people who have been killed in Darfur, uh, one more time, um, 450,000 refugees crossing into Chad and finding 400,000 who were there since 20 years ago. So this is the level of atrocities that you see. This is the, the protection crisis that we have to deal with. And it is a situation that is affecting uh, women and children. It is affecting uh, people in their bodies. We see uh, horrific reports of violence against people's people's integrity. And uh, that's the type of stories that we are hearing from refugees who are crossing with very limited means into Chad, where we are not able to relocate uh, as many as we should and where we have already 
um, a lack of um, um, our services. What, what wasn't addressed 20 years ago in the aftermath of the genocide? One of the things we spoke with, with the new executive director of Human Rights Watch on this program last week, and she said that after the genocide, people sought peace, not justice, and that led in many ways to history repeating itself. Is that what you see? What we saw um, and uh, what uh, refugees are telling us are really that the root causes of the crisis in, uh, in Darfur were not addressed. Despite all efforts made by the international community, this is what they, they do tell us. And um, I think today, better perhaps than yesterday, we have an opportunity to tackle a few things. One is a, a cessation of hostilities that would help uh, put an end to some of the protection crisis that we see today. And number two, until such a time we find solutions to that, uh, people needed to be supported so that they can contribute at community level but also beyond those communities uh, into um, um, into into finding solutions what I can also add is uh, uh, basically the following when we meet with uh, internally um, Sudanese who have been displaced by the conflict they tell us that uh, you know, we are the victims of of of, of issues relating to to, to 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 conflict. We are uh, we are part of the solutions, and we can be part of the solutions. And this is where um, um, all of us, the United Nations, and various partners, need to uh, to focus on. We're just just about out of time. We only have a minute or so left. Is your sense that the world? has turned away from Sudan. There are wars that are happening, other crises that are unfolding. Is what's happening in Sudan happening without the world paying attention? The world needs to pay attention to Sudan. Um, there are other crises happening, but this is one of the largest protection crises that we have seen, and it is coming on top of uh, humanitarian crisis to levels that we have not witnessed so far. Mamadou, we'll leave it and there. And it needs to be addressed. We'll leave Thank it you. there. I hope that people do address it. I'm glad to give it some some attention this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mamadou Balde is the regional director for East Africa. He works in the uh, area of uh, refugee coordination with the UNHCR. He was in Nairobi. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.